everlasting Father, we worship your holy name. We magnify you. You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are the almighty God. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. You are the ancient of days. You are the lion of the tribe of Judah, the bright morning star. We worship you. Lord, accept our worship in Jesus' name. King of glory, we thank you, O Lord, for the month of January. We thank you for February. We thank you for the privilege to see the last Sunday in the month of March. We give you glory, Daddy. Lord, receive our glory in Jesus' name. Lord, as we go into your word, speak to us. Minister life unto us. Let your name be glorified. For in Jesus' mighty name, I will pray. Praise the Lord. Praise the living Jesus. God bless you. You may have your seat. This morning, I'll be sharing with you on a topic that true legacy. That true legacy. Legacy is something valuable that is passed down to one's predecessor. Legacy is a valuable or a treasure that is passed down unto a predecessor. But we want to talk about true legacy. But before we go on, I would like us to answer this quiz. Where is the wealthiest place on earth? Number one. For some of us who might on the next slide. Okay. We have the oil fields of Kuwait, Iraq, and Saudi Arabia. This country, most of them, if not all of them, don't even have to pay for gas. They are so rich that they determine, to some extent, the economy of the whole world. There was a particular time when they make an announcement that they're going to change things about their oil, then you see inflation goes up or goes down, depending on what they say. Do we think this is the wealthiest place on earth? All right, the next one. We have the gold and diamond mine of South Africa. I'm sure we know how precious gold and diamonds are. I don't know how many of us have read the book, Acres of Diamonds. If you haven't read the book, please lay your hands on it. It's a very good book. But definitely it's not this. Next slide. Then we have the uranium mines of the Soviet Union. It's not that either. Silver mines of Africa. I think we talked about that. It's not there. Then the last one. The graveyard. Why is the graveyard the wealthiest place on earth? Because in it, we have so many undeveloped potentials in it. So many people died without realizing their full capacity. 
without realizing their full potentials, without becoming who exactly God wants them to be. Even those who discover that, those who realize it, still contributed to the work of the graveyard through legacy. There are different categories of people here on earth. There are some people who, have no, who do not realize what God has deposited in their lives. And so they waste God's resources. They lavish God's resources without even knowing it. And Titu has nothing to do with this. We have an example in the book of Numbers. And that's the story of Balaam. Balaam happened to be a prophet of the Most High God. But he had no understanding of the treasures inside of him. He does not know the capacity of the power in him or the wealth inside of him because of greed, because of the promise of the king. He lavish the power of God, the treasures of God in his life. And the Bible makes it clear, he perished. I pray you will not perish in the name of Jesus. Amen. Samson is another person. He has so much power, so much anointing. God desired to have victory over the Philistines through him. But again, he did not realize this on time. He lavishes the grace of God, the power of God, the anointing of God. He was doing things that is taking him far away from the plan and purpose of God for his life rather than drawing him closer to the plan and purpose of God for his life. I don't know what you engage yourself in. You need to ask yourself every single day, every hour. It's what I'm doing taking me closer to the plan and purpose of God for my life or it's taking me far away from the plan and purpose of God for my life. For Samson, he realized it. Not like Balaam did not realize it until he died. He died with the enemy of God. But Samson realized it, but it was kind of late. The plan of God for Samson is not for him to die with his enemies. The plan of God for him is to have victory over the enemy. You will not die with your problem in the name of Jesus. You will not die with your enemy in the name of Jesus. You will have victory in the mighty name of Jesus. Samson didn't fulfill the plan of God for his life. He died with the enemy. Yes, he realized, but it was too late for him that he cannot have victory but just to die with the enemy. I have a saw. Sorry, not saw. Esau. Esau had greater potential in him. He was the firstborn. The power of the firstborn was on him. The authority of the firstborn was, uh, was on him. But because he could not control his belly, he gave up his birthright. 
Many of us don't know what we have inside of us. We don't know what, what, what is inside our, our birthright. And for little things, we gave it up for food, for work, for school. Name it. We just gave it up, just like that. For him, it was because of food. Appetite. We all have different appetites. Some people's appetite is real food. Some people's appetite is sex. Some people's appetite is money. Some people's appetite is work. You know, you position, power, authority. I don't know what your appetite is. But are you exchanging your appetite and giving up your birthright? If you're doing that, it's because you don't realize what you have inside of you. How important, how precious it is. Esau gave it up. But thank God. He realized it before it was too late. When you study your scripture very well, you realize that Esau realized it. He subjected himself to the wilderness. He trained to the point that he became great. But did he really get where he was supposed to be? No, really. At least he realized it before it was way too late. But when we talk about Elisha, Elisha, I'll compare Elisha also with Solomon. Elisha understood his purpose. He exercised it. But he didn't really get there. He missed something. Even though he utilizes all his potentials, he become great. He did way more than his master, Elijah, did. But he still missed one important thing. Open your Bible with me. To the book of 2 Kings, chapter 13. Verse 20 and 21. Second Kings chapter 13, verse 20 and 21. If you are there, you can read for us. And Elijah died and was very rich. And the branch of the Moabite who ruled over the land had become of the youth. And it came to pass as he was burying the man that, behold, his side was burned of men. And the cows were yard in the way. So it was told to Amen. Elisha was very powerful. But he had no legacy. None. He couldn't pass his power to no one. He was buried with that power. The power was so much to the point that the bone still retained that great power that can bring a dead man back to life. In my opinion, that's a failure. Success without a successor equals failure. No matter how successful you are, if you don't have a successor, you have failed. Because every single of accomplishment will die with you. He probably didn't realize that until he died. But there is a man who realized this before he died, but unfortunately it was kind of too late for him. And that's the man of Solomon. Open your Bible with me to the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 2. 
Ecclesiastes chapter 2. If not for our time, I will have, have us read from verse 1 through 19. But because of our time, I will have us read verse 10 to 12, then 18 and 19. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 10 through 12, then 18 and 19. Yes, please. Amen. I'm thinking that the only reason why Solomon was able to realize it before he died was because of his level of wisdom. Most people would die with the mindset that finally I made it. I'm great. I'm powerful. I'm wealthy. I'm the richest person in the whole world. So I'm great. I've accomplished my plan and purpose. And they go into the grave and they still add it. To the wealth of the grave. That's not the plan of God for your life. But Solomon, because of his wisdom, was able to realize it. If you read from verse 4, he says, I, I have riches. I have fame. Honor. I build houses. I have people who sing to me. I have, he was listing all the great things that he has ever accomplished. He said, I am wiser than everyone before me. I have more money than everyone that ever lived before me. In fact, he said in that verse 10, he said, there is nothing that my highest desire that I will not get. Nothing. Money is not an issue. No, there is nothing that I will set my eyes to see that I will not get it. It's impossible. That's how great I am. In fact, he said there, he said, I was great. But what was his regret? He's regretting. He said, oh, this is all vanity. Why? Because he said, I'm re I regretted I have all those accomplishments because of the person that I will pass it on to. In other words, it's not a person. It's not somebody that is wise like me. It's not somebody that can carry on the baton. So I regretted that it's a waste. Everything good thing I've done, I've ever done, is wasted. Your money is not the true legacy. Your house is, is not the true legacy. Whatever you have accomplished that you can lay your hands upon is not your true legacy. If those are the things that you are able to release 
they are not true legacy. It will still leave you with regret. The true legacy, it's you. You are the true legacy. For Elijah, he gave himself. He released himself. He poured himself into Elijah. So, in Elisha, we could see greater than Elijah in him. Are you with me? True legacy is you, yourself. So, in the life of Elisha, we are able to see who? Elijah. In him. That's true legacy. But Solomon could not see himself in his son that is to take over. And that's what led to his regret. And he had that regret because he was wise enough to understand what it means. But Elijah, like we said, it's one person that leaves a legacy behind in the name of Elisha. Another character in the Bible is David. David left a legacy. And when I'm even talking about the legacy of David, I'm not even talking about Solomon. I'm not talking about Solomon. Think about the mighty men of David. These are men that gathered unto David when there was nothing, when they were nobody. The Bible says these are people who are discontented. They were in debt. They were homeless. And just name all kind of things you can, you can talk about. They are, fear, they are afraid. That's why they came unto him. They were nobody. But after the space of time, you could see David in the life of these people. They become mighty men. So mighty that they did much more than David had ever done. In fact, when David was in, was in need, they step up. They said, look, king, enough. You stay home. Don't go out of battle with us anymore. We got this. We can't let you die. That's how confident they are. And you could read. Time will not permit me to read their characters. One person killing with one single spear 700 people. Facing giants. Killing lions. These are people who are nobody. And by the time they had interaction with David, you could see David in them. That's legacy. Brethren, what are you doing to pass on your legacy? Oh, you might say, well, it's all about me. No. It's not just about you. Because number one, without legacy, there will be a regret. In fact, without legacy, you won't have rest. Without legacy, you will lack peace. That's the simple truth. You will not be free. It's a bondage if you don't have legacy. Okay, some people will say, yeah, well, yeah, when I become rich, then I'll think about legacy. No. You got to start right away. You start now. Oh, well, when I see somebody that, no, 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 no. Every single person that comes your way, begin to pour yourself into them. Don't wait for one person. No. That was the mistake Elisha made. He relied on Gehazi. Here, I found one. 
By the time Gehazi messed up, then there was nobody else. Everyone that comes your way, pour yourself into them. And start building your legacy from now. It frees you up. It puts you at liberty. I remember very well when this parish was just started. I was the only person that preaches. Not just that. After the praise and worship, thank God for my wife that, do, that does that. Once I mount the pulpit, I stay up there until we share the grace. In other words, by the time my wife do praise and worship, and I'm drumming, and then we switch role. Then I start, you know, preaching, offering, announcement, and I don't leave the pulpit until the benediction. But today, I could go on a cruise ten times a year without having problem with the church of God. Why? There are capable people in the house who can do better job than I am doing. That's legacy. At the early stage of being in this country, I'm the one that carries everybody everywhere. They want to do grocery shopping. They want to go to work. They want to, I carry every single person, one by one, here and there. Sometimes I receive phone call 12 a.m. 1 a.m. I jump up of my bed. I got to give somebody who's stranded a ride. I don't remember when last I've done that. Why? Legacy. We have so many people who have cars and who can do a better job than I was doing then. In fact, I'm beginning to need people. I remember so many times I just sit down me for one reason I just call on somebody. Please, what are you doing right now? I'm nothing. Sometimes people might even be scared to tell me they are doing nothing because they don't know what I'm going to bring up at, at that time. So I say, I need a ride. And in five minutes, they are there to pick me up. That's legacy. It frees you up. It gives you liberty. It gives you freedom. That's legacy. You're going to need it later on. So invest on it now at this point in time. Invest. We have reasons why we don't want to invest, why we don't want to release our legacy. But the most important reason is insecurity. When I came to this country, nobody was willing to share anything. They don't tell you anything. You don't hear anything. I have to research every single thing that I did. But every single thing I know, oh, I have to tell. I tell everyone I've ever met. There's nothing as I am. If I die today, I have no regrets because I'm not investing in the grave. I can assure you boldly, today as I stand, there is no wisdom, there is no knowledge, there is no opportunity that I've ever come across that I have not shared. I'm telling you the truth. I know it. So there's nothing that is going down to the grave with me. No. If I hear it, I can't wait to tell the next person I see. I can't wait. Nothing. You don't have to take it. But I have to share it. That's me. That's the way I pass on my legacy. Everything that's helping to, to make any accomplishment, I have to share it. You don't have to take it, but I will share it. That's how to start your legacy.
If it's good for you, it's probably going to be good for somebody. Share it. Don't hide it. Oh, well, if everybody knows it, so what? Oh, well, they can double-cross me. That means it's not meant for you. If it's meant for you, you're going to have it. You're going to have it. Every place I've walked, I've told people, go there. It's good. You know, you know, in this part of the world, nobody tells about pay, not me. I tell you how much I make. Why? It's not to brag. So you know how good it is. If you want, you can join. It doesn't reduce you. It increases you. I have no idea how, how good teaching pay is. I have no idea. I've always, all I've had all my life, teachers don't get paid. That's all. I carry that meat to my interview. When I was being interviewed to be an instructor, I told them, you know, I have my full-time job, 40-hour position from Thursday night to Sunday morning. It's a well-paying job. But I love to teach, so I want any schedule from Monday to Thursday afternoon. They said, you know what, we really want to hire you, but we need somebody that will work on Saturday on Saturdays. I said, look, it's not going to happen. I will do doubles on Saturdays. In fact, I work all night on Thursday and doubles on, 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 on Friday and Saturday. I said, so this is impossible. So, well, you really have to consider it. Then I changed my fear. I said, what are you talking about? I know that you don't pay well. This is me to my interviewer. I said, I know you don't pay well. They haven't discussed their pay with me yet. But just from what I've heard from people. I said, I know you don't pay well. Let me tell you how much I make. I make $40 an hour, full-time position with full benefit. I said, so I am not trading that with this job. And then the person backs up. I said, oh. So, well, let me tell you, you might not have a good understanding of how we pay here. And then she told me that they start me with $47 an hour. I said, okay. And that after six months, they will increase it to $54 an hour. No, sorry, $52.50 an hour. I said, okay. I'll think about your deal. As soon as I get the job, and I get my first pay, and it was the same way they said it, I knew it was true. I quit the other job, and I keep telling every single person, Everyone that is qualified to take that job, I tell them. I've taken at least five people to that place. Five people. Even those who do not qualify, I tell them, you got to hurry up. Get the what you need to get and come and join us. That's what I did. Has it reduced me? No. It has never reduced the hours that I needed. In fact, for those of us who were around last Sunday, I even got promoted. In fact, double promotion. In fact, most of the people that I brought in, they're going to be a supporter now. Amen. 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 Legacy. The true legacy is not the money. It's not the houses. It's not your clothing. It's not all those things that you think it's important. No, it is you. How much of yourself are you pouring onto people? Are you giving onto people as sacrifice? 
That's the true legacy. And you need to start right away. But how do you start? Start with yourself. Examine your life. Am I walking towards the plan and purpose of God for my life? Or am I walking away from the plan and purpose of my life? Am I moving at a pace that the Almighty God expects me to move? Or am I dragging my feet towards the plan and purpose of God for my life? Two last examples and we'll, and we'll close. Joshua chapter 13 verse 1. The book of Joshua. Chapter 13, verse 1. If you are there, you can read, please. Joshua is in the Old Testament. Joshua chapter 13, verse 1. When Amen. God told Joshua, who told, Yes, I've done a lot. No, just said, Look, you are old. In other words, there's nothing else you could do. You are old. However, there is what? A little land? No, much land that are yet to be covered. Joshua thought he had done a lot, but as far as God is concerned, now you hold, you can't do anything anymore. He said, but there is so much land to be covered. In other words, you have not even scratched the surface of your potentials. How are you moving? What are those things that is slowing you down? Things that are there things you engage in that you know and you know and you know will not take you to the promise of God for your life. But you engage in them. You spend quality time doing those things, and they are not moving you closer to the plan and purpose of God for your life. If you maintain that, a time will come that God will say, You are old. It doesn't have to be age-wise. It just means that the opportunity for you to move up is over. However, let me show you the potential of all the things that you are supposed to be accomplishing that you did not accomplish. For Joshua, God said, you owe. In other words, you have no more opportunity. But yet, there is so much land yet to be conquered. What takes the most of your time? You know the rule? We spend 80% of our time on the 20% of things that will not take us you know, far. Whereas we spend 20% of things of our time on the 80% of things that will take us to where we're going. We need to reverse that. We need to look at our daily activity, weekly activity, monthly activity. The things that I spend majority of my time on, 80% of my time on, are there things that will take me towards my goal or things that's not taking me anywhere? Because naturally, you will spend 80% of your time on things that doesn't matter and spend 20% of your time on things that does matter. If we go on on that rate, a time will come that the opportunity will expire. And God will say, my son, my daughter, time up. Yet, you have so much that you haven't covered. That was what happened to Joshua. He's still a man of God. 
for good and later. Let's open to the book of 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. This is affirmation of Paul. If you are there, you can read 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. That's Paul. He fought the fight. He finished the race without compromising his faith. That's all he's saying. I did everything I need to do in time. No regrets. What are you going to say? Are you going to be adding to the grave or not? Or you will add to people. Are you going to walk the way you ought to walk? In a timely manner towards your goal. Or you will allow things to drag you away from your goal. I'll mention a few things that drags people away. From the example of Balaam that we talk about is greed. Greed. Are you allowing greed in your life? Are there things you are pursuing because of greed that is not allowing, allowing you to move closer to the plan and purpose for your life? Or are you contentment? The Bible says godliness with contentment is a great gain. For something is appetite, sexual appetite. Sexual appetite is what's ruining his life. The time that he needs to spend with God is spending it with unhallowed. And that brought him down. Esau was a different kind of appetite. The belly. Do you allow things you will consume to drag you away from your goals? From the plan and purpose of God for your life, or you are working to move towards your, the plan and purpose of God for your life. For Elisha, he was able to do a lot, but he see no reason to struggle in having a legacy behind him. And so every single blessing of God, the anointing of God, the power of God went to the grave with him. Or well, we might say, but yeah, it's not his fault. Yeah, it's not his fault. Because if Gehazi had not messed up, he would have been the one that was succeeding. Yeah, that's how we make excuses. Well, it's because of his behavior, it's because of our behavior. There's no way I'm going to share that with you. There's no way I'm going to train you about that. It's not enough excuse. We need to be patient. I've had, yes, I know I've wronged people, but I tell you, I have so many people that have wronged me, and I never let that stand in my way of pouring myself into them. Never. Before they ask for forgiveness, they already been forgiven. All I'm waiting for them is just to say it, and then we go back again where we started from. It's just as simple as that. I'll tell you a story. 
actually my story. God took me to the to a particular family. This family were meant to pour themselves into my life and that of my family. But there's a way that they think these things should be done. They expected me to go through a particular path which I wasn't willing to go through. They see me as someone who is stubborn and they felt in their mind that they will show me. In other words, they will let you realize. In other words, I will bend you until you succumb. And I was subjected to torture. But God converted those torturing to my strength. And he actually speed me up to get to where I am today. It has been a mystery to me because I never knew why I was treated that way in the past. Until recently, a couple weeks ago, I saw this man at Stone Academy where I teach. I never knew he was there. This person was a phlebotomist that was taking blood. They were doing a blood drive. And he had the opportunity to interact with the lecturers, the teachers, as well as the students. And everybody keep asking him, where are you from? And as soon as he says, I'm from Nigeria, they say, oh, one of our professors is a Nigerian. And then they mention my name. And they were talking about how great I am, or the teachers, everybody was speaking so highly of me. And he was encouraged to actually identify himself and say, oh, they stayed with me when the plane first came to this country. And wrote a little note so that I can know that he's around. When I saw the note, I was excited. I went out to meet him. I hugged him and we chat a little bit. But then he said, I was angry with you because you won't do what I asked you to do. But now I can see that it's all well with you. You're doing great, you're doing wonderfully. I'm proud of you. I take that words, you know, to my heart and I ponder on it. I felt bad for him because he missed out, he missed out. He could have received a lot of glory with where God has taken me to up to now. But someone else is doing that. There are several people that God has used instead of him. And every single time I move over, I pick my phone and I call those people. Thank you for what you do. For instance, I called somebody yesterday. I called yesterday was the one that lent me the money for my CNA training. Without that person, I don't know if I'll be able to get here. That person did that, so I was calling to say thank you. Last week, I called another woman. This was the person that would give me a ride to most of the places that I was going to because I had no car. This was the person that eventually when I had a car and I parked in a where I wasn't supposed to park because it was in front of my room and the car got towed at first I thought it was stolen. He was the one that told that nobody will steal your car because if you see my car at that time, you will understand that nobody will want to steal that kind of a car. These are the people that followed my kids from school home. They want to know who their parents are in the month of December with summer dresses. 
But they realized that it was because I had no money. Only the clothing that I came with, with from Nigeria is all we have to give them. They drove my family, entire family to Walmart and did winter shopping for them. So I called them and I appreciate them for what they did. And now they have contributed to my life to get to where I am today. They could have been part of that story. They are still part of the story, but in a different way. I just wish that they be cautioned in identifying who they are. Because my story is going all over. And I do not hide any part of my life. So because if they keep identifying themselves as the person that took me at first, I hope somebody is not going to drag them and shake them and ask, so you are the one that treated him this way. What am I passing across? Legacy is not about you. It's about that person. God sent that person across your way for a reason. It's not because of you. So let's forget about ourselves. Sometimes we are too much, you know, of ourselves. It's about us, our pride, our ego. And we will not do what God wants us to do because we see those ones as being inferior. They might be inferior today, but you don't know where they're going to be tomorrow. So forget about yourself and do what God has asked you to do. They don't have to agree with your opinion. They don't have to take your advice. You just pour yourself. Do what you have to do and move on. You are not doing it unto them. You are doing it unto God. Don't take revenge. No. They might make a mistake. They might mess up. They might insult you. They might talk about you. They might do anything about you. That has nothing to do with what God has asked you to do. You fulfill the plan and purpose of God for your life. And don't use that as a reason not to fulfill the plan and purpose of God for your life through them, in them. Everyone that come across you is for a reason. That's a purpose for that. Don't let anything stand in your way. You do what God has asked you to do, and that is it. There are so many people who have come to this church, and I did what I know God has asked me to do. Not because I want, I've never run after any member of the church that they stay. But when I see somebody in need, we go all out. To have. Not because there's several people have been helped in this church and they were not here. I had no problem with them. If they still communicate, I still say hi. I still greet them. And I have no bad feelings in my mind. Because why? The purpose is not so that they can stay in the church. The purpose is because God has brought them to this church for a reason. And my own role is to fulfill that reason and that's all. I have no problem with them leaving or staying. What's your motive for helping people? What's your motive? I had everybody say, well, I'll pay you. I said, I don't need to be paid for this one. I'm just doing what I know that God asked me to do. At first, it was strange in this country because they feel like when you do something, you got to get something in return. But that's not me. I just do whatever God has put in my mind to do. I want to challenge you. Start today begin to see everyone God brought into your life as a potential legacy and begin to pour yourself into them. If you are pouring yourself into them because of God and not because of them, you won't be disappointed. You get disappointed because we have expectations of them. Well, I fed him. I gave him drink. I gave him house. And he should be doing this. He should be doing that. That's expectation. So when you don't do it, you feel bad and then you begin to react negatively. Begin to do things that you are not supposed to be doing to them. The true legacy is pouring yourself out to people. A wonderful example 
is David and Jesus. We see David in the life of the mighty men. We see Jesus in the life of his disciples, the apostles. Let's rise up on our feet. The true legacy. I don't know where you are. If you have not discovered the plan and purpose of God for your life, this would be a good place to start. If you don't even know why God has brought you to this world, it's a good way to start. I'll tell you one secret. It does not matter how wise you are. If you don't have the Lord Jesus Christ in your life, you are clueless of the plan and purpose of God for your life. You don't even know where you're going. You need him. He's your creator. You need him to actually show you where to go, how to go, what to do, and what not to do. I want us to close our eyes. If you are here, you have not given your life to Jesus Christ. Or you have given your life to Jesus Christ, but you know you've backslided. And God is no longer your guidance. I would like you to signify by a raise of hand so I can pray with you. This has nothing to do with church. It has nothing to do with position. You could be a pastor. It doesn't matter. We're talking about your relationship with the Almighty God. If you have never at one point surrendered your life to our Lord Jesus Christ and you would like to start afresh today, I will pray with you if you raise up your hand. Or you have given your life to Christ before but you know you backslid and you want to say, Lord, I want to come back unto you and start afresh. If you are in this church, you know, in that category, let me see your hand so I can pray with you. If not, then examine your life. How? What are those things that slows you down? What are those things that drag you away from the plan and purpose of God for your life? It might not be sin, it could be sin, but sometimes there are weights. In subsequent teachings, we'll be going more in details of all these ones. But there are things that might be weights. It could be food, it could be friendship. Friends that you know that when you are with them, you can't move forward. It could be certain recreation, maybe it's TV, maybe certain kinds of books or whatever it is that's dragging you, consuming you, consuming your time because your time is your life. If they are consuming you, they will not allow you to reach your goal. Present those things to the Almighty God right now and say, Lord, I'm dropping this particular weight at thy feet. I'll no longer pick them up. I'll begin to work on myself. I'll begin to work on moving closer to, my, to your plan and your purpose for my life. Begin to talk to the Almighty God. You might not be able to do it on your own. So cry for grace. Ask God to help you. Talk to the Almighty Father, help me. Give me the grace that I will no longer pick up this weight. That I will be free to move at the pace that I'm supposed to move towards your plan and purpose for my life. Talk to the Almighty God. There are some, some of us, unforgiving spirit is a problem. And because we are unable to forgive people, we ought to forgive. So we're holding people down. And you know when you hold people, you're not going anywhere. They're not going, but you're not going as well. So you both become stagnant. So if there are people in your heart that you have held because of what they've done to you, you need to release them now so you can move forward. You're not doing that for them, you're doing it for you. And there are people who have offended you, who have crushed you, who have caused scars in your heart. And it's difficult for you to let go. Release them now so you can be able to go. But as long as you hold on to them, you're not going anywhere. And you need to move. You don't want to hear the Almighty God telling you at the dying minute that son, daughter, time up. Opportunity is up. You have so much ground to cover. 
to talk to the Almighty God. Anything and anything, whatsoever thing that will slow you down, that won't let you reach your goal, ask God to take it away. Ask for the grace to move on. And finally, talk to the Almighty God that I will do my best to begin to release my legacy, myself into people. I don't want to add to the grave. I want to add to people. Talk to the Almighty God to give you that grace to begin to add to people and not preparing present for the grave.